0: You're listening to The Active Lifestyle Marketer, brought to you by Tiger Creative, the creative agency for active lifestyle brands. Find out more at tigercreative.com.
1: Welcome to The Active Lifestyle Marketer, a podcast dedicated to bringing industry experience and insight into marketing an active lifestyle brand. Whether you're a travel and leisure, fitness and sport, or a health and nutrition brand, you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other active lifestyle brand executives, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Active Lifestyle Marketer. Today on the show, we have Mark Ganey, CEO of Strava. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Happy to be here. So Mark, most people uh, in the Active Lifestyle Lifestyle space. I'm sure know uh, the Strava a little a little bit of the Strava Strava story. But why don't you tell uh, our users just some backstory um, how you guys came to be and um, maybe a little bit of what you
0: guys are doing recently. Sure. Yeah. So uh, backstory. Strava was founded by myself and uh, my longtime business partner, Michael Horvath. Uh, we've been friends for 25 years. We met on the crew team at Harvard back in the late 80s. Really relevant for two reasons. One, you know, great friendship and and somebody that I've come to trust 100%. But two, you know, when you get to participate on something like the Harvard crew team, it's pretty special. It was uh, just this unique time in our life where, we got to see and feel what it was like to be on a, on frankly a great team and just the esprit de corps and the camaraderie and the competition and the training and the coaching, everything that comes with that experience was pretty life defining. The only problem Zach was that we graduated and (laughs) and poof, it disappeared. And uh, so literally we have a business plan that goes all the way back to 1995 that talked about, Hey Michael, if we were to go and recreate that, that rowing experience for But for a much bigger audience, what would that look like? How how could we get that back in our lives? And it took us another 15, 20 years to uh, actually realize our dream. But uh, if you fast forward to 2007, 2008, Michael and I, after a successful startup before that we did in the enterprise software space, we wanted to come back together again and do another company. And we said, you know, it's time. It's time for us to figure out a way to... Convince other people that when you're active, good things happen. And frankly, the running joke was if we could build some software that would allow us to remain just a little more active than we otherwise were, it would be a great outcome. Uh, as luck would have it, it turned out that we have a few more customers than just Michael and I. But the the roots were pretty humble in the beginning. Uh, that was that was why we wanted to do it. It was just to figure out if it could keep us be a little more active than we otherwise had been in our adult lives.
1: Well, and back then, when you had that first idea of this idea, um, the technology hadn't caught up yet to what you guys wanted to do.
0: You know, you're... Yeah, you're exactly right. It's it's kind of funny looking back. So we actually pursued the idea for a while. It was what we called the virtual locker room. It was a company called Kana Sports at the time, which was the name of my dog. And the <laughs> the we had this great vision for how we'd bring everybody together on the internet and you know, Netscape had just gone public and we could see this website. But you're right. What we couldn't figure out was really two things. We couldn't figure out an economic model that would make sense, but we also just it was going to be very difficult for athletes to to find and participate on this this website. Uh, and so that business actually morphed into a, a very different business in customer email and so forth, which was great. But when you came forward 15 years, a couple things had happened. One. Just the advent of sort of wearable technology, uh, the technology in smartphones, there really was a much easier way to now capture people's physical activities that we could then use from a data perspective to to create a great experience, to create a storytelling opportunity, to allow people to share and compare their information. And that combined with, frankly, the advent of companies like Facebook and others that had really paved the way to just share information that Mm -hmm. had otherwise always been private. Uh, were pretty, again, sort of defining moments that allowed Strava to to thrive to where it is today.
1: Very cool. So as CEO, and you're kind of a, a recent CEO, correct?
0: Uh, yeah, funny history. So I started as a CEO when we founded the company back in 2008, 2009. Right. And then I had to step away for some personal health stuff. And so Michael was kind enough to step back or step in. And so okay. he did that for four years. He he ran the company uh, from 2010 to 2014. And then unfortunately, Michael's got some family health stuff that he's now working through. And so I stepped back. And you're right. I've, I've now been the CEO from for the last three years. Well, it's cool that you guys have that support base with each other. Uh, it's a unique partnership. It's yeah. a unique friendship. Yeah, we're, we're really fortunate. I, I count my blessings every day.
1: Yeah, for sure. So then
0: as CEO, what is – just quickly, what is
1: your day-to-day responsibilities look like within Strava? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, no day is ever the same twice. At <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, We've got a team of 130 here, uh, three offices. We've got an office. The The main headquarters is here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I am, uh, there's about 110 folks here, and then we have a couple other offices. Uh, we have an, one in Hanover, New Hampshire, which is actually where Michael is. He lives on the East Coast, and uh, we also have an office in the UK uh, that handles really all of our marketing and business development throughout Europe. And you know, Zach, the, the day I mean it when I say it's it's never the same twice. I I do a lot of uh, we're hiring rapidly, so I do a lot of recruiting. I do a lot of interviews and. And just continue to help us build a great team. Um, I uh, I spend a lot of time uh, uh, on partnerships and making sure that you know we're we're a great partner to the industry and to um, to our customers mm-hmm. and to the various sort of developers and events and and so forth that are involved with Strava. And and just, just broadly speaking. Um, I always sort of say it, it comes back to the people, and so I spend a lot of time just making sure that we're really transparent here inside Strava around what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, making sure I'm having the conversations so that frankly there aren't a lot of questions, and that people just they know what we got to go do and they go get it done
1: and that's and that's internal and external that's transparency. right
0: transparency yep that's right, very cool,
1: so now, as you guys plan for the next three to five years, what do you? What do
0: your goals look like as you guys think about that? Yeah, you know, it's such an exciting time. We feel like we're just scratching the surface at Strava. If you go back, just take a step back to then explain where we want to go. If you look at how we launched the business, we picked one vertical category, and that was the cycling market to go build an experience for. And we always said that that was our go-to-market strategy. It was not that we wanted to build a cycling-specific solution, it was that cyclists were a great market for us to start with uh, to really help us shape the experience, uh, make sure that we were authentic in that space. But with the intent being that over time we can serve a global community of athletes across a broad range of sports and activities and frankly across a broad range of, of motivations. You know, Some people who love to do it because they're competing, other people who love to do it just for self-improvement, other people just love to participate in sports because it's kind of their social outlet. And so we've, we've uh, taken the last few years to really think through how we now expand really on three fronts. We're expanding geographically. So, if you look at the Strava community today, we're about—I uh, think the number is 78% now outside of the U.S. Oh, uh, wow. We're in 100, 195 countries. Uh, we're truly global community and so we want to continue to understand how we can support that global community and uh, how we localize how we understand cultural nuance and, and really make sure that Strava is authentic whether you're in you know Rio de Janeiro or you're in Barcelona we want to make sure that Strava feels like it's appropriate for where you live so are
1: there, also to, uh, sorry to interrupt but are there are there cultural intricacies within the app and within your software that are different depending on what culture you're in
0: well, we start with the basics. We just make sure that we have the language right. And uh-huh. it, it sounds silly, but that's often not as as easy as you'd think. Oh, uh, yeah. So we want to make sure that we're doing that. Uh, we've rolled out across 15 different languages today, and we continue to look at that rollout strategy. And then it's um, – what we try to do is build the the solution in such a way that it scales across the different cultural nuances, but then in those local markets, they're able to uh, kind of put their fingerprint on it. And so, I'll give you an example. You know, as we we just uh, brought to our mobile experience the whole ability to create and participate in and find clubs in in your area, and and how mm-hmm. do you then engage around that or events for your area? So. I mean, one of the fascinating things about Strava is while we have this global audience, the experience that any athlete has on Strava is pretty localized. It's really about the, the trails or the roads or the, the friends that you're you're training with in your area. And so we, we're trying to understand how we can help people discover the sort of those those local things that are of interest, whether it's a route or it's a friend or it's an event, something like that. Well, and As
1: you think about that and
0: pursue that, do you guys
1: have um, within that user experience the ability to um, say, hey, if I'm traveling, say I'm from Sacramento, California, and I'm going to be on a work trip in Texas and I go on your app to find the best recommended runs in that that Texas city, is that a capability or is that something you guys
0: are pursuing? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. So there's a, there's a couple things. There's actually something uh, out in the wild called Strava Local, where we've done that, but really at a high level, specifically for 12 major regions across the world. Uh, so that is that's actually been highly curated. Uh, it was we created it through all the data that's coming in on the um, on the uh, through the community. So it's basically crowdsourced, and then we pull from that and curate. And, but that's just for 12 major areas. So London, San Francisco, Sydney, et cetera. Then to really make sure that we can scale it so that you could travel anywhere and experience that, that's what we're just now starting to unlock. And so there are features both on our website as well as in the mobile app where you can explore segments and begin to see routes, but it's not perfect by any stretch. We're, We're actually really excited about the way in which we can streamline that. And to your point, ultimately you end up in a location how can you find that, that thing that's uh, most suited to what you want to go do for an afternoon?
1: Yeah, that's great. I'll, I want to go back to what you said about starting with cycling um, because that's how I got in, involved with Strava and, and as a user. Um, I, I like to cycle and um, love the uh, community within that. And so how did you guys decide on cycling? What was the thought process on choosing that as your vertical rather than any other sport?
0: Yeah, there were a couple of things. Uh, When we looked at the market, there really wasn't anything. But the first thing we looked at was just sort of who was doing what. And we saw that there were some solutions out there for the running community and others, but we didn't see anybody who was really addressing the needs of cycling. So we liked that. Uh, We also liked the fact that when you looked at at, uh, the cycling population, there's some unique characteristics. One, uh, they invest in their sport. Uh, these, you know, these are folks who there's always another bike component that's required, uh, if not another bike, uh, <laughs> right? How many folks have got multiple bikes? Oh gosh. Uh, they're, uh, they're very much into the data. Uh, you know, whether it's Power meters and and wattage and uh, or elevation gain or just speed and distance. There's just a lot of data that's being collected, and that frankly the devices were very good for cycling. If you think about the Garmin devices and other head units and things on handlebars, mm-hmm. there was some really great data that was being collected, but I just historically they were glorified stopwatches. You know, once someone would finish, they would hit delete and and move on. So we were really excited to see what we could do with that with that data. And then the third thing we really loved about cyclists, it turns out that cycling, it's inherently social, uh, more so even than I would say running. Running is very much sort of a – might go and train with some partners and stuff, but uh, it's often sort of a solitary experience. Cyclists love to go out and, and ride with other folks. And so there was just a great way for us to sort of begin to build that sense of community on Strava just based on the inherent nature of the sport itself.
1: Interesting. So let's transition a little bit. Um, What makes you guys, Strava, different than your competition, and why would your user choose you over some of the other offerings in this uh, community athletic space?
0: Yeah, you know, we heard an interesting thing a couple years ago from a bunch of members that we kind of took to heart. People kept saying, yeah, you know, I downloaded XYZ app or, you know, I tried this technology, but then I joined Strava. And that subtle difference between – downloading a piece of technology versus actually joining a community, what we've sensed is that that seems to be our secret sauce, that there is a way in which you can onboard into Strava. You can have a very private, personalized experience. Uh, You can treat it like your own personal training log and it'll be fine. We've always said let's build it as though we were just one user, what would that feel like? But our real strength is when you begin to follow your friends, when you begin to connect with other people on Strava, it's 10x the experience. And so our ability to, A, make sure that we were really taking advantage of that for our, on, you know, on behalf of our members. And then I'd say the other piece of it was every activity is an opportunity to have an impact. It's it's a chance to tell a story. And so how can we sort of help folks capture everything that they wanted so that that story could be told and could be captured and could be shared in the future? And, you know, things like, you know, just getting photos. uh, integrated effectively into Strava and making it easy, uh, to upload from lots of devices, right? Today we support, oh gosh, I would guess two to 300 different devices. There's not a device manufacturer on the planet that doesn't integrate with Strava, whether you're Garmin or Suunto or Fitbit or Polar or TomTom. Uh, and so I think that that ubiquity that we have across the industry that way combined with the inherent sort of social experience, it's, it's pretty unique.
1: On that, I joined Strava, that's become a, an integral part of you guys messaging. Has that always been the case? Or is that something you just dis- discovered recently?
0: Well, it's it's not always been there. I think we, we really were, we took to heart in the earliest days, if we didn't have something that worked for just one, one member, uh, it was going to be a challenge. So we definitely wanted to create an experience where if you were the only person on Strava, we could, we could generate value, right? We could, we could generate return for you. Mm -hmm. But what happened, you know, full disclosure, since you're familiar with Strava, the whole concept of segments, right, which is this ability to capture a very specific stretch of road or trail, and then see how you do on that over time, and see how others are doing on that. So now you can compare your performance with other people. That comparison sort of engine inside Strava became in many ways the foundation for thinking about social interaction inside Strava and so once we had segments in and people began to play with that that was the beginnings of what i would call sort of authentic social athletic experience in Strava you know we weren't trying to just go create a party or put teams together but because people were crossing each other on these roads and these trails and during these different activities we could we could create an experience that was Again, fairly unique.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. That's that's one of my favorite parts about it.
0: I can see how slow I am. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no, we all are, Zach. It's uh, the days of catching KOMs are pretty tough.
1: Oh man, those there's some of those guys on there are just outrageous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, can you share some an example or two of some struggles and challenges you guys have experienced um, as you've built this? Because, I mean, everybody wants to create. Facebook, right? Everybody wants to create the next big social platform. Um, but you guys are doing it. You guys are being successful at it. But with that, I'm sure there comes all kinds of strategies and struggle or challenges and struggles. Um, so how are you guys what kind of strategies are you implementing to to fight against those? Or what kind of challenges have you guys run up against in building this
0: yeah, I'll give you two uh short uh examples of which there are many. I mean, we have challenges every day and all <laughs> kinds of failures. The two that quickly popped to mind. So when we started at Strava, we were a web company. We the the best data was coming from third-party GPS devices, companies like Garmin and others. And so that was how we you you could only interact with Strava if you had a Garmin device. And while the data was very good, and we were creating a really nice experience on the web, the downside was it was it was a pretty expensive proposition to actually participate in Strava. You had to go and spend two or three hundred dollars on a GPS device. Yeah. So in 2011, we launched um, our first mobile app with a very specific goal, which was let's create an app that uses the smartphone, which had you know finally gotten to a a uh, high-quality enough GPS and battery levels and things that we could actually use the smartphone as a legitimate tracking device. But we wanted to use it just to track so that you could then go to Strava's amazing website and see all these amazing uh, features and uh, uh, functionality that you couldn't get anywhere else. Well, great theory, but in hindsight now, what we learned was we saw tremendous uploads and and, and, uh, traction with the mobile app But all of our new members who are now downloading the app, they thought that Strava was just that, just the mobile experience, not this beautiful website that we had. Oh, interesting. And so we really had to completely rethink all of our investment in the company. We had to go build a whole new team where, you know, if you fast forward to today – the vast majority of what we build is for our mobile experience. I mean, that is the Strava experience. Yeah, but we weren't prepared at the time, and we really had to to reset our expectations and and rethink how to bring the whole Strava experience over onto mobile. And we're still in that process of doing it. We're not there yet, but
1: well, and that we're getting closer. Kudos to you, for guys, for not trying to convince your audience that hey, come over here to our web. Presence because that's where you should be, but rather you saw that they were using it as an app. And so, okay, let's give them an app experience and start moving in that direction because that's obvious what our audience wants.
0: Yeah, no, we, we, there was a period of time there when we, we thought we might be able to help bridge them over to web, but no, that's the, if once you understand the consumer behavior, you need to go to where they're going, not, not try to pull them the other way. So that's exactly right. It's really cool. And, uh, you know, the other example I'll give you, it's, um, we're, we're big believers in authenticity around here. We really feel like you have to be genuine, you have to be transparent. And when we decided to go and launch an experience for running, uh, I, th- I would just say we were somewhat naive. I think we we believed that we could uh, take a lot of what we learned from our cycling experience and bring that to running, and it would be interesting. In, in hindsight, uh, what we really had to do was – almost start from scratch and, mm-hmm. and go back. And, and frankly, even from a team perspective, we had to hire folks who didn't think like cyclists, but instead thought like runners and were, uh, had empathy for the running experience and could begin to think about what a Strava experience would look like for the running community. And so it, it was humbling because it, it took us a while to really get that right. And I'd say we're still working on it, but now today running is, um, it's just as strong, if not stronger, than our cycling uh, community. And and frankly, what we also learned is sort of a funny side note, but athletes by definition are not so one-sport specific. It just turns out that people love to do lots of different things. And so the more that we can create a Strava experience that allows you to capture your run or that ride or that ski session with your family or, you know, that fun afternoon on the lake on a paddleboard – If we're able to help you capture all that on Strava, that's the most important thing we can do.
1: So what did you guys find that was different about the running or runner demographic from cycling demographic?
0: Yeah, there's a couple things I mentioned earlier. So uh, it's not about the social. A lot of it's about convenience. You you can throw on a pair of running shoes and shorts and you can be out the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, so because of that, we saw a few things. One was we saw runners are creatures of habit they'll, they'll run the same courses over and over and over. So it's less about exploring. Um, cause I just think it's, it's much harder to go out and be able to do a different run in a different location. But what the beauty of that is, because we could see they were doing the same routes over and over, there's actually a story in that we can begin to help. We call it my runs and it's this ability to track your, your trend on a given course over time. So that was, that was important for us to just recognize that, 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 um, uh, that habit or that cycle, sort of those three or four courses, let's reshape the experience. I, I think, as I mentioned, because you're somewhat solitary, it doesn't mean that, that, that a runner is antisocial. It's just that it's very hard for them to actually run with others, but we can bring them together on Strava. And so thinking about how we did that um, uh, and and helping people even discover each other, that became interesting. And then the third, uh, just a, one last one that was an interesting insight. Runners are almost always training for something. It's, there's a 5K, a 10K, a marathon. There's some there's some plan. There's some event that they're preparing for in the future. Uh, and that's a it's a generalization, but I would say that we see that more frequently than we do cycling. Cyclists, you actually don't meet a lot of people who race or who are competing in events, but they they're out riding every weekend and and you know once or twice during the week. And so I just those subtle differences in behavior and sort of why they do what they do were important as we started to think about the, the experience in the app.
1: So I've, I haven't, I run every couple of days with my dog and so I haven't used Strava for my running, but so I'm not as familiar with it. But um, w- with that being the case, runners are almost always training for something uh, within the running element of the app. Is it? Do you guys have like training um, for we do
0: that they can use? Yeah, yeah, there's training plans in Strava today. We've worked with partners. Um, we're not going to go create the plans ourselves, but when there's partners that have great plans, how do we make those accessible? And then how can you track those in Strava? So that's right. Um, and Or if you sign up for a particular event, uh, let's say you've signed up for the Boston Marathon, you can find other people who've done the same thing through our clubs and event infrastructure so that you can begin to see just sort of how other people are training and you can even trade, you know, best practices or tips and things like that. So, yeah, there's a, a number of ways in which we try to, um, again, think about how both we're bringing people together, but also how we're, again, trying to be authentic to the running experience.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. It's obvious that you guys have thought a lot about uh, your user experience and, and making sure that it's a, a, an experience that they want to come back for time and again. Um, how are you guys implementing strong t- storytelling in your marketing efforts and, and getting your story out there? Um, or is your approach a little bit different in that you, it seems like you're creating an opportunity for your user to tell their own story? Is that kind of the approach?
0: Yeah, Zach, it's a really good point. I, I think you're right. I think in some respects, and whether this is in the Strava experience itself or even outside, we have absolutely found that the best stories are not about Strava itself, the company, but about the folks who are participating in Strava, who are our members. So if you go, for instance, Strava Stories is something we launched last year, where um, it's just, it runs off of our blog, and we, we circulate it through various social media channels, but it's a great way for us to just highlight the amazing stories that are going on every day uh, within the Strava community, and you know, by definition, that shines hopefully a light on what it is to be part of Strava and to, to join Strava and to uh, use Strava with your activities. But great. I mean, last year we had a really fun one. We worked with Adrian Ballinger, who's one of the world's great Alpine climbers. And he and a friend were uh, attempting a summit on Everest and they were able to kind of put the whole, their, their experience, their trek, their climb was actually documented on Strava. You could go, Literally each day, and sort of see how they were doing, and they were in touch, and they were writing and uploading, and that's that's far more powerful than us trying to go out and try to tell someone, you know, about Strava or you know what is Strava. Yeah,
1: that's really cool. So, so then, are you taking those stories, those internal stories of your users, and pushing those out, or how how are you creating uh, an atmosphere where your users can see those stories?
0: That's right. There's a couple things. So, uh, what we've done for the last few years is use all those classic social media channels that everybody else uses. So, you know, we've got a, a good presence now on places like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter. And, you know, we make sure that we use those and more and more, we're finding that Strava is a really great channel. So, uh, one of the things we built in the last year was your ability to follow not just individuals on Strava, but to actually follow, we call them clubs. Um, but in essence, it's the opportunity to follow companies and brands and, and clubs and friends on Strava and you can follow Strava there and, and you'll actually see that content surfacing right within Strava itself. So, That's really cool. Yeah.
1: So are, is are other social media platforms and the, the advances that they're making having an effect on how you guys think about Strava or uh, like, are you kind of following trends or are you?
0: Yeah, what does that it's look good, sh- like. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's you know we often joke here that uh, we we get to use both sides of our brain. Half of our brain is looking at the best practices of again an Instagram, a LinkedIn, a Twitter or Facebook, and sort of understanding how they support their communities and what they're doing in terms of digital best practices. And then the other half of our brain really admires many of the great brands uh, uh, within sort of outdoor lifestyle and sports. So. You know, we'll, we'll look to a Nike or an Oakley or a Patagonia or a North Face or a, you name it to just sort of understand how they position, how they think about serving the athletic audience. And and for us, there's that sweet spot. There's, you know, at the end of the day, we're a software company. We don't make, footwear and apparel. We're not making physical goods. And so we have both sort of benefits and costs that come with that. But um, it's it's a fun interplay between the two. You know, we'll show up at local events we'll we'll be at a marathon or we'll be at a at a local bicycle event or something like that and and try to try to be authentic try to understand sort of how we can have a presence there and then simultaneously we're we're building all kinds of um uh features into the strava experience that you know hopefully both enhance our athletes experience on Strava, but but also help us, help us grow or help us sort of engage with members on a more regular basis.
1: Yeah. I want to press a little bit more into that storytelling because I think that that is such a huge element of what you guys do. Um, you talked about some of the other big brands and looking to companies like the Nikes and the Patagonias. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Mike Henderson on the show, who is a past creative director at REI. And he talked about um, archetypes, and he in, actually introduced archetype storytelling in to uh, the REI storytelling. Um, and so, are, do you guys have any of that within your marketing efforts? I mean, you're you're using your users' stories to tell the Strava story. Essentially, is is there a, a fusion of that archetype into what you guys are doing around your storytelling?
0: Yeah, I think so. I, 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 we're probably still early days and trying to figure exactly what that looks like and, and how we do it. But I, I'd say the following. What, what we really came to appreciate just in the last couple of years is rather than focusing on what someone is doing, like you know, riding a bike or running or ski, whatever the activity is, if we can understand why, we can understand the motivation – that's where the story gets interesting, and that's where when we think of archetypes or personas or, or sort of different ways in which we're trying to both understand our community and the way in which they're, you know, what motivates them to even upload to Strava in the first place, the greater chance we have at continuing to build products that, that intuitively will make sense and it will help them on their athletic journey. Uh, and that motivation is really interesting because once we started to do that, we started to appreciate that. You know, there's some people who they participate in sports because they just love competition. They probably were born that way. It's in their DNA. They are going to compete over, you know, eating breakfast. They're going to compete at work. They're going to compete in their sport. They're just competitive by nature. And if you understand that and you can figure out sort of then how to motivate them, that's one kind of experience that uh, not only we can give to our audience, but we can we can share to the outside world. But that's not everybody and that's what we see inside Strava. There's all kinds of other motivations. Uh, there's there's people who participate in sport because they love the social experience. They love being able to just hang with their friends. That's the way in which they connect with people. There's others who participate in sport because they're looking to improve. Uh, it's self-improvement. It's this sense of, of accomplishment that comes from pushing beyond maybe what you thought was possible. Mm-hmm. And so not only do we try to Literally create that capacity to help them tell that story to themselves inside Strava and to see that and to track that. But I think that that's why when we talk about how we market, we want to help share these stories outside. Strava is Strava doesn't need the limelight, doesn't need the spotlight as much as it's the platform that allows for this great sort of inspiration to happen. We we talk all the time here about unlocking potential. How can we unlock the athlete's potential? And hopefully, it's it's that it's that camaraderie it's that commitment. It's, it's seeing sort of the self-expression that happens, um, that becomes really powerful.
1: Yeah, that's really powerful. I mean, I think that that is so true. The success that you guys have seen is, um, a lot of it has to do with you're not pushing yourselves. You're, you're pushing your users and, and, and telling their stories rather than trying to tell your own story. So that's, that's really cool. It's, it's fun to watch um, you guys be successful at that and, And, and be an example for other active lifestyle brands that you don't have to always, you know, communicate what you're doing. You can communicate your user story and it's going to be, uh, sometimes even more effective. Uh, I think we have one, one more time, time for one more question. Um, how do you guys, how do you guys keep customers or users engaged on a day to day basis? Especially when, um, like, I'm not sure what your data says, but like people just sometimes have waves of being super active and then they have waves throughout the year where they're not super active. And so um, what does that look like trying to get people outside uh, and using your software and, and just being active on a day to day basis?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. We, we, We've often joked we can't predict the weather, but we can tell you exactly when there's some massive polar vortex hitting the Midwest. <laughs> everybody go inside, and all of a sudden there's nobody riding their bikes. Uh, you're right. You know, uh, part of the athletic journey is that you're going to you're going to have seasonality. You're going to have injury. You're going to have weather. You're you're just going to there's there's sort of a uh, a way in which people go through their various sort of period training, uh, and we see that in Strava. What what we what we do. And I think what's happening over time is that there are two types of activities that are constantly happening in Strava. There's the active in terms of literally going out and doing something physically active, going and doing that run or that ride, and then sharing that to Strava and, and being able to, to take a look at that and digest that information. But more and more, there's also just being part of the community. Uh, we're watching sort of people open up Strava just to you know it's what we call giving kudos right so giving kudos is a little it's the equivalent of a a high five or a pat on the back to one of your buddies who just went out and did something interesting or just you know accomplished something Um, if you look at strava today more and more we're partnering with great companies events clubs and others that are bringing content to the strava community that's relevant to their training so more and more it's a reason to open strava up and whether it's to get training tips whether it's to get insights on products, uh, whether it's to find that next event that you want to sign up for, we you know we we do have aspirations for being kind of that that hub for your athletic life, and whether you're whether you're it's a day where you're going to train or not, ultimately we really do hope that we can be additive to your life. You know we we often joke in terms of when someone wakes up in the morning, why why would they want to open Strava? What what is it that we can teach them or tell them that will help them with their athletic journey. And so more and more, we're just shaping the experience to, to be able to accommodate that.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Mark, that is about all the time that we have. I so appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Um, if people want to get a hold of you or learn more about Strava or, or follow along with this, with this process as you guys continue to grow and uh, kind of change the active lifestyle space, how can, how can they get a hold of you or, or learn more about Strava?
0: Yeah, www.strava.com. They'll learn a lot there, and then they can always reach out to me. Mark at strava.com.
1: Perfect. Well, thanks again, Mark, for being on the show. We really appreciate it, and uh,
0: have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Zach. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Active Lifestyle Marketer. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other active lifestyle brand leaders or know someone who would be a great guest on the Active Lifestyle Marketer, let us know. We love connecting with active lifestyle brand executives and sharing their insights and knowledge with our audience. Just send us an email at info at tigercreative.com. And lastly, if you need help telling your brand
1: story, we would love to share how we could help in that process. Check us out at tigercreative.com. See you next time.